0: Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome everybody. Another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. It is the one and only. It's season two. I don't think we're sweeping the nation anymore. It's One Man's Opinion. Thank you. One and all. Thank you each and everybody for downloading, subscribing, commenting, favoriting this podcast, no matter where you've got it, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever it is tuned in. I I don't know all the places you get your favorite podcast. Thank you very much. We do so appreciate it. Remember, we the goal is to pump out new episodes. The goal is to pump out more episodes and to hit a variety of topics as well. This is episode 61. We are in our second season here of One Man's Opinion. I am your host, Jeff Manns. I'm flying solo today. If you're just stumbling upon this podcast, what took you so long? We've got 60 episodes for you to go back and listen to. Some are very, very great. Some, eh, eh, maybe mediocre. Who knows? You could also find my work over at fantasyguru.com all-seasonal fantasy sports, talking Major League Baseball, your waivers and trades and lineup starts and sits and a statistical analysis, whatever, for Major League Baseball, you find that at Fantasy Guru. Also, 100% of my NFL draft content, including my prospect rankings over there for 2021's NFL draft, you find those over there. My fantasy football 2021 rankings, my – a complete study of the last six years across National Football League, general managers, scouting directors, college scouting directors, player personnel directors across the National Football League. Who's actually in charge of each team's draft and what do those teams draft? What positions do they go or go skill positions early? Do they put a a focus on building in the trenches Do, are they all about the defensive backfield which we've seen several teams just are addicted to drafting defensive backs corners and safeties uh, i've got all of that illustrated in my big old study over there also um, who where were they drafted another study i did over the last 11 years of fantasy football Does it mean a player that's drafted in the first round, are they going to definitely or or more likely than not be a fantasy success? Well, this study suggests absolutely not. You should know that already. I would think, but we're going to fall for the same thing this year. We know we're going to do it. You're going to go in, whoever there's going to be six, seven wide receivers drafted. You're going to fall hook, line and sinker. And, uh, and there you go. It's it's history will have repeated itself. So, um, that's over there, fantasyguru.com, elitefantasy.com. That's the place to go for all daily fantasy sports content. I got my daily fantasy baseball cash game breakdowns up there seven days a week on elitefantasy.com. Just lowered our prices now that we're about a month into the season. So get in now. It is the uh, well, it's about the cheapest you'll ever get. Actually, the full so if you use the promo code RADIO20. You will have the absolute cheapest price you could possibly have on the rest of the season over elitefantasy.com. And we're doing well. I'm gonna talk some daily fantasy baseball today. Oh, also find me at EliteSportsBetting.com at Jeff underscore Mans, Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans, all one word on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. Today I have turned on the microphone. I have just finished my SiriusXM XM radio show. And I'll be honest, I have no fucking idea what I'm going to talk about. I decided to challenge myself today and just go complete top of mind stuff. We'll see how this exercise goes. Maybe it works out. Maybe it's a throwaway episode. We shall see. Here's the deal. All right. I just want to be real and talk without having to worry about what I'm saying. It has happened several times in the last couple of weeks where I have had to dodge... Dive, duck, dodge, dive, and duck and dodge. Again, to get out of conversations on the serious XM show that I just don't want to be a part of, or I think will backfire. I had to, I had to stifle Ted Schuster the other day to try, because he went on, he started going into something about the Broncos and Seahawks, not going to organize team activities. The thing about that is the point Ted was ultimately trying to make, and I'll be honest, I didn't know where the fuck he was going with it. I had no idea where he was going with this. But I talked to him during the break and after the show, and now I realize where he's going. I agree with his points, but it's gotten to, it's gotten to the, the stage where it's there's certain topics and there's certain conversations that just aren't even worth having anymore. And that's, that's a shame. That's brutal. I grew up in an environment where you just talked. You discuss things, you um, not necessarily your feelings, but you, you, know, you would not be if nobody in the neighborhood was ever afraid of talking about uh, anything, I, whether it was a race or whether it was uh, sex or whether it was drugs or I don't know anything politician like we're never scared of that now it's just a, it's a fucking wasteland. It really is. It's a disaster out there. So I want to expand on that. And I also just wanted to hit topics that have come to my mind and I want to call this, I think I'm going to call this episode potpourri, just a lot of, we're going to go a little of everything, right? It'll be a mixed bag. I want to talk baseball. I want to talk football. That means NFL draft. Um, We'll talk some uh, off topic stuff, not off sports things as well. Um, today as well over this uh, next couple of hours let's start out there i want to talk about the the point schuster was going to make on xm i stifled him a little bit but he's ultimately right and this may offend again it's probably gonna offend some of you because we all are in this we're all in the same spot though nobody works anymore do you even realize that Do you realize that the worst thing to happen during the pandemic? Well, I shouldn't say the worst thing because obviously there's hundreds of thousands of people dead and all that. Okay. Obviously. Um, But the worst thing to happen is that so many people, including myself and our producers and a lot of our elite team, we all started working from home full time. Right. And, no more transporting to and from drives to the office, you know, have to be in an office setting where we have to dress a certain way, look a certain way, act a certain way, right? And we didn't with the boss breathing down your neck. We all were just sort of left to our own accord in 2020. That is a great thing and a terrible thing. It's great that we were able to work through it hopefully. I know I'm sure some of you lost your job. You're like, fuck you, man, it's bullshit. I, I didn't get that opportunity, and I apologize for that, but uh, not our fault, obviously. It's. I wish you, everybody would have kept their job. I hope all of you did. But um, pe- pe- it's now time, 2021 is here. We're getting into the warmer months. We're getting into millions and millions of people vaccinated. Millions and millions of people have already had COVID and have the antibodies or stored up. Millions of other people don't give a shit, which, all right, fine. We're getting to the point where it's time to go back to real life and nobody's ready. It's really pathetic. I'm getting worried that we're going to use COVID-19 as a real uh, excuse or or crutch for much longer than it should be. It it is a crutch. It was a crush in 20, a crutch in 2020, but now it's gotten to the point. Nobody's working. Nobody's there. No matter what you all think you're doing less work than you did in 2019, 2018 to do your same job. And the bad part is you all got more money for it. All of us, we got more money for less work. That's just the fact. Less work was done in 2020 and more money was made, whether it's stimulus checks, whether it's tax breaks, whether it's uh, PPP loans or EIDL loans or whatever grants, all the the government kept so many people and households afloat and we all got used to it. Myself was in there. I had a massive workload in the NFL season. There's no doubt about it. And that's why... I think that's the reason I'm able to identify that because then after the NFL season, I went into, you know, a slowdown, a less work than I had been accustomed to or that I had been doing. And it was good to take a little bit of a breather, but ramping back up for MLB. And I'll tell you how I know this. For one, I know it because traffic on the roads, there's still bad traffic, but there's not nearly the amount of cars that there used to be people transporting commercial real estate is imploding. Uh, it's going to get much, much worse, especially after all the PPP loans, everybody, you know, phoning their way around that. Now we're going to get to the point where the government's not going to support people and it's going to be fucking bad. It's going to be the real economic impact of this pandemic will be felt in the years to come. Trust me on that, everybody. Um, nevertheless, the work ethic People aren't used to it. And around elite, elite fantasy, fantasy guru, elitesportsbetting.com, I'm not going to – I won't dive into it. I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus because our staff is crazy talented and they're crazy good, and they work very hard. I could not have said that in years past. I've, I've been very vocal about this. We used to have people that were just grifters and people that just never would put in the work. We don't have that anymore, thank God. Still, we had this situation where the Major League Baseball season has started, and it's happening during NBA and NHL seasons as well. This is a problem. I've worked in this industry for 15 years. I've managed content and managed people and staff for the last 11 years, 12 years, 11 or 12 years, whatever it, it was when I first started uh, managing people at, at Fantasy Alarm. Um, and then I, I actually managed people for five years before that in my other company. So uh, in this industry, so I've been managing people a long time. It's never been as big of a problem, as big of a problem as it has been this year. It's no, Everybody has patterned their day around a lot of things that aren't work-related, a lot of things that aren't, uh important to their lives or their jobs, whether it's television, I have to watch X amount of episodes, I have to watch this, or maybe it's it's exercise, I have to go to the gym. Uh no, no, you don't have to watch your episodes. No, you don't have to go to the gym. No, no. no plain and simple, no. No, you don't. And if you want to do what you want to do. But that's your own time. Work has to be done. It does we have gotten accustomed to accustomed to always to you know doing our our work day and working out and doing whatever and making a big lunch and because we're at home or around the house or close by we're so used to it that it really has gotten in the way and trying to navigate our scheduling at the elite sports network has been a real problem a real problem again people working hard our guys work hard, but it's it's gotten to a point where it's almost impossible to ask somebody to do multiple sports. Meanwhile, we did it, you know, two years ago, that's everybody did it, but now it's crazy to ask that. Now it's too much to ask that. Um, yet there's still plenty of time for other activities and, and and things and social media and all that good stuff. And I, I don't want to, I'm not going to throw our guys under the bus. I don't, I'm not trying to do that because this is not an elite sports Problem. This is a world problem. It's definitely a United States problem. It is 100, and it's going to be. It's going to get so much worse because it's. I want everybody to understand. You guys trust me for fantasy advice and sports betting and DFS and all that. Your work's going to come calling soon, and it's going to be time to get back to reality. And reality is making that long trek, getting up earlier, making that long trek to work. Uh, all that shit. It, it's go- That's going to be the real world. All right, so be careful. NFL players, Broncos, and um, the Seahawks and the Patriots have all opted out of organized team activities for the month you know, that start after the draft in the month of June, actually. And okay, fine. But Ted's point on this is something that is very true and it's true everywhere that you can't pretend you're scared of covid forever okay you can't and i'm i'd be the first one to tell you i shut everything down and my kids think i'm absolutely like uh the uh stalin of not letting anybody go anywhere not letting them get any see their friends or boyfriends and you know all that stuff all my kids were homeschooled i've been i've been very proactive in keeping them out of the line of fire, keeping them out of danger. I've kept out of danger. I've shut it down. All right. My whole household, I haven't seen family and friends and I haven't traveled. I did all that, but that time is coming to an end. Very, if it's not already over very, very shortly, it's over. It's, it's going to be done. The vaccinations are happening. Everything's, we got to get back to normal. Whether whoever wants to judge us on how well we did and who did what is it's all bullshit. It doesn't matter. Everybody, I'm sure there's a handful of you that'll turn it into political go fuck yourselves. Okay. This isn't about that. It, this is, it's time for everybody to shut the fuck up and go back to work, go back to what we were doing before. And as much as you want to say, I want to go back to restaurants and bars and hang out and travel and all that. Well, you also have to go back to work. NFL players are going to have to go back to work. You're not scared of COVID. You played a whole season through it. The NFL was the greatest organization in the world proven during the COVID-19. They nobody pulled out. No organization, the tr- the entire motherfucking travel industry didn't pull off with the NFL pulled off last year. That's how amazing they are. Testing, tracing, contact tracing. Um con- you know uh, Locking down people, quarantining people when they need to—it's incredible. It's really, really incredible. So be known, be let known, let it be known, let it be said that uh, it's going to be a rude awakening for NFL players. It's going to be a rude awakening for uh, all of us out there. It's been a rude awakening for our staff at Elite Sports, no question about that. It's time to get back to work. It's time to go back to doing what we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And that's going to take more hours, less me time, more work time. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. And and speaking of that as well, I, I do want, I, I want to get into this as well. And I'm going to get into sports. I promise. I know I'm pissing some of you off. You always get mad at me. It's fine. Uh, here, here's what it is. And this is, it goes back to what you all did, what every one of us did during the quarantine, right? We, I talk about this a lot where the world tries to divide us all. You are getting angry right now at me because I said I quarantined and you think that I shouldn't have, or you think that you were right by living your life and maybe you're calling COVID just the flu and whatever. Okay. But you're not right. I don't care what you say. You're not. Internet research isn't real research, but be that as it may, it doesn't matter. I think this, you think that I'm not right. You're not right. The tr- nobody knows the truth. And what was sh- the fact it, it's results matter. You're still here. I'm still here. Hopefully all of our friends and family are, I know a lot of people aren't and that's sad. That's part of the kills me. That, that really hurts my feelings. It's a shame, but. That as we emerge away from this quarantine and away from COVID and all this shit, we're still here. And no matter what side of the coin you're on or what, what your belief system is, it's not wrong. I just said you're wrong, but we're all wrong. We're, we're both right and we're wrong. We're only wrong to push our feelings on others. Right, it To tell people that I oh, did an internet research and I've got 15 reasons you shouldn't get the vaccine. You, no, you're a fucking idiot that has too much time. Go back to work and make money. All right, That's what you should be doing. Stop internet researching. Start making money, you absolute goon. All right, That's what you should be doing. True. What we need to do is give ourselves some credit, though. Here, here's the other part, because there's a lot of people that have made decisions and foregone family and friends like I did, like uh, many, many of you have. Maybe you didn't go to school. Maybe you did leave your job. Maybe you got fired or laid off, whatever it was, and you feel like shit. You feel bad. Whether you outwardly project that you feel bad or you're pretending it, masking it, saying everybody else is wrong and I was right. Well, if you did something, if you tore up a target, because they wouldn't let you in without a mask. And you saw the thing on the door that said there's mask, but you believe there shouldn't be mask and you tore the place to shreds. They're not wrong. You're wrong. You're a fucking idiot. Doesn't matter. Even if it doesn't matter. You see what I mean? It doesn't matter if they were right or wrong. That's not the point. You went in, got your groceries, got your stupid fucking t-shirt. It says good vibes or whatever the fuck it is and move on with your life. That's the objective. That's the goal. Results matter. But if you went in there and got loony because they told you to wear a mask, you're the problem. You were the problem. Anyway, what I'm saying is that if you did that, you didn't get the merchandise, you didn't have the results, whether you projected or not, you feel bad about yourself. You feel inwardly or outwardly, whatever it is. Most of it's inward because everybody projects like they, that's why social media is such a dangerous thing. Everybody projects as if they know everything. You're so smart. You're so wise. It's a fucking hilarious to me. It's like the DFS industry. Oh my God. Between top shot and race horses and art and crypto punks. Oh my God. If a 40 year old person Tells you something is the future. Never believe them. Tell them to go fucking plant a garden. I'm 40 plus. Don't don't tell me. I have kids that are 19 years old, right? They're college students. They don't go crypto punk. Come on, no. They want money like regular money. They, this isn't their future, and they are the future. Not not 45. Oh, and I'm 65, and so you're 65. You're gonna. You should be retired. You know, the shit you're planning for is dumb. It's great when you're 15, maybe even 25. When you're 40, grow up. Anyway, back to, I want everybody to be more secure. I want you to understand the one objective we have, whatever way we each live our life, no matter how different we are, we need to give ourselves more credit than we're getting from everybody else. Social media, number one, the news, fucking everything everyone wants to just blame everybody it's the same thing with the, the the cop shootings and and these are terrible how you i don't know much about the last shooting in minnesota but how you don't know that you have a gun versus a taser it's beyond comprehension and people when you you make certain decisions in your life and you will live with the consequence and that's what that police officer is going to do and not and that Terrible tragedy. Awful. I don't understand why other people get in trouble themselves, why they perpetuate this idiot doing something terrible with getting themselves in trouble and rioting and it's protest in a way that's positive protest in a way that causes impacts change. You could protest by going to school and getting a degree, running for office, and then writing a a bill, getting enough votes, and making it law. Like, that's the way to do it. Stomping your feet and lighting things on fire isn't the way to do it. But um, I keep saying it. Give yourself more credit. Be more secure in yourself. Things aren't as bad as everyone tries to tell us they are. And we're not as bad. We made it out. There's a lot to be. Every one of us should should be proud of whatever we did to get. All right. If you're a QAnon QAnon person, you should not be proud. Everybody else, unless you fell for the biggest scam in the history of humanity, everybody else should be goddamn proud of what they did and the way they, they managed out. doesn't matter what political belief you have or what your masking philosophy was, what your vaccine philosophy was, what your COVID philosophy was. You should all be very, very proud of it. All right, I'm going into a a situation I don't want to fucking even get into because now I'm just going to get myself in more and more trouble. I can't be in trouble. You guys can't do anything about it. So go fuck yourselves. (laughs) Honestly, there's nothing I can do. You can't stop me from this. So there you go. Um, Let's get in. I want to talk about, so with the work thing, work was tough. Getting back into daily fantasy baseball. Remember, I haven't done daily fantasy baseball content in two years, I did strategy sessions. I wrote the very first cash game breakdown last year at LeadFantasy.com, And that was it. Otherwise our staff did most of the work with that Ted and the crew. And so it's been a while getting back on. And even that it was 60 days, 60 days. We, we did a very manufactured version of our daily fantasy baseball product last year. Getting back into it this year has been very tough. And specifically where there's 12, 15 games a day, we've got to go through each and every one, project each and every one. we got weather, we've got COVID, which is still an issue. We just had a situation today where the Houston Astros put five people on the COVID list, had to bring up five people from their minor league camp, right? It's been a very different season. And it's going to keep being different for the rest of the year. It, so far as I sit here today, the 14th of April, it, it recording this podcast, it's been an up and down start. We started out pretty hot, had a couple winning days right out of the gate, which was surprising to me. And I started thinking, all right, maybe this game is that easy. And then, of course, you're never going to win at the level. I think a lot of subscribers and a lot of listeners are used to winning. We won 15 out of 17 weeks in 2020 and daily fantasy football. And that's a ton. It's the most I've ever most success I've ever had always been above 500, always made money in daily fantasy football since I went full in, in 2013, right? Every single season, all documented, by the way, all proven, not just claiming, not just a screenshot, by the way, one, one thing. Mm-hmm, sure. I did win one thing. I won $350,000 in two live finals, but that's, I you notice I don't live off those screenshots. I don't, I'm not trying to trick anybody. I'm not trying to f- say, hey, I'm really good because I did one thing one time. Now, this is a show up every day, do your work, put in the work, impact people every single day and keep going, train people the right way. And that's the, that's been the hard part. It's been a real hard thing for me. This article, Cash Game Breakdown, takes eight to 10 hours a night, depending on the amount of games. And rolling through them, keeping up with starting pitching. We get we're gonna get into real problems of starting pitching in major league baseball because teams are pulling their starters on a day in a day out basis, constantly, constantly switching things up. You know, they'll push this guy back, move this guy up. Somebody who's in the bullpen will get a spot start. You've got there's not even two pitchers per team, there's not even 60 starting pitchers it's about 30 starting pitchers that you know when they're going to start 30 everybody else is either limited or obviously on the dl or il now and or they, they'll be skipped over or pushed back or whatever it may be there's 30 that's hard to keep up with so it, it's a it this is an ever evolving, ever changing game. And the daily game has been very difficult to start as well. Um, but I will tell everybody that it's not as difficult as it's been for me personally. And I know our team at elite fantasy um, it, it's difficult. Mostly ours is arranging our content so that our tens of thousands of subscribers can get, NBA and NHL and MMA and PGA and baseball and everything now that's been a, a tough balancing act for us for sure. And making sure they get the absolute best. Notice we're not mediocre sports. We're elite sports, but the rest of the comp, the secret of this is the rest of the competition is even worse. These other companies I've heard firsthand. I know a lot of people. I know people, every business owner in this industry, I know people on every single staff and they're friends with most of them. And it's a, it's a mess in a lot of places. It's hard to cover multiple sports and do it very, very well and have your best people on it. multi every single day. It's been a real problem throughout the industry. And here's what I know about baseball right now. There are almost nobody. I, I I'm, I'm trying to actually think of a human being besides myself and, Ricky Sanders and C.J. Kaltenbach, I can name maybe three other people that I know of in the entire industry that are actually hands on deck, covering, discussing, analyzing, projecting, and researching daily fantasy baseball every single day. Like three people. This industry has gotten automated. Every, and that's why we're seeing so many lineup trains. This week alone, I've talked about in the SiriusXM show, we lost back-to-back days by uh, l- less than three points both days. And two different paths to, to losing just nipped out in cash games. And both times, it's because of lineup trains. Now, some of you, including people in our chat, will say, oh, no, we got to figure out the lineup trains. Well, we, I already know the lineup trains. I figured that out two years ago. We had them dead to rights in football. We, we screwed them over constant. We screwed them. Lineup trains are bad lineups. These are bad lineups. And Oakland A's full-on stack the other day. Are you fucking nuts? The team has been dog shit. It's a bad idea. It's a good environment. Eh, not really. They got a lot of breaks to go that way. That stack didn't really go up. You got a homer from Matt Chapman. That's, all, that's it. That's what you got. These are bad lineups being put out. And as much as people want to say, oh, we've only been about 500, maybe 52% so far this year, I look at it like, I can't believe we're 50%. I can't believe that because we're going to beat the average loving shit out of these people in the days and weeks ahead. Their automation can't keep up. They're just throwing things together. They can't, they don't understand. Like, I, I was on a whole thing this week about Ronald Acuna. And I could tell I'm going bananas. I'm watching these games. I have the extra endings package. I have TVs every freaking place in my house. MLB uh, app, the whole thing. Me and my son are watching games all the time. I'm taping them. I'm watching them, rewatching them late at night. I believe in that. And I'm watching a guy take over the world. Everybody knows Ronald Lacuna is great. Everybody knows it. I'm watching this guy over the weekend. I'm saying, oh, he's going to be 80% owned going into the next week. I talk about it on the radio, yet I go put him in my lineup. He's 15% owned. Why? What are you people doing? What do you want? You're not. And the fact is they're not watching it. They're not. They're not watching baseball. Nobody, they're all box score. They download the box score. They have everything automated. We've got that. Wait till you guys see elite sports data, by the way. Wait till you see it. It's going to blow your fucking minds. Right. We are about to launch this in the very, I was hoping to make the announcement today. Can't do it. Probably be by the time you're listening to this, it very well could be out. So um, it's going to be, it's going to change the game. No matter what game you play football, baseball, basketball, hockey, it won't matter. We've got the best data site in the world that we're about to launch. And I'm excited about it. It's got a lot of my behind the scenes, all my behind the scenes stuff, all of it, all the tables, all the charts, do your own research. See how I do it. Giving it away. Well, actually, it'll, it'll cost you a little bit, but it, it will cost you. But that's, my, that's behind the scenes. You'll see everything. I don't mind seeing everything because doing that work, it's one thing to take the data and, and form projections. Then you somebody has to manually overwrite these things. There has to be a human being that puts this together. And that's why we don't get Ronald Lacuna in there. That's why people are missing out on one of the greatest stretches of major league baseball players had in the last 20 years. And I don't, I'm not just talking home runs and batting average. I'm talking about, every, this guy is a mania. He's beating out ground balls to shortstop. I'm not talking about in the hole beating out the ground balls, a third base shortstop. He gets on every time he gets on base. He steals a base every time he's on first and there's a base hit. He goes to third, second to home every time. 100 plus exit velocity every time he makes contact, man. Yet nobody's using them because nobody's watching. Everyone's limping through this. Nobody's putting in the work. It's one thing to do, let the computers do it. Let, let the algorithms do it. Let all, generate all the data, compile it, put your formula in. That's what everyone in our industry is doing it. If you're overriding that, if you're saying, yeah, this is a good start, but I this this is a better build, or, oh, okay, they're going to stack this team or mini stack this team, or they're going to use this group of players. This is a better group of players easily to use. That's it, not that hard. It's quite easy. And we're, that's how we're going to absolutely dominate going forward. I know it. I'm not guessing. I know it. It all ties together. Nobody's working. Everyone wants to automate. Nobody wants to watch these games. Nobody wants to go through contacts. The other, you know, the, the reason they stacked the Oakland A's the other day is because they stacked against Madison Bumgarner. And it's like, it, it's one of the dumbest things to have done. It really was. It worked out kind of, but they don't know why it's they, it worked out because they thought it was. Cause Bumgarner was bad this season, but he wasn't bad. Not at all. Nobody had watched him his first two outings. He had struck out two of the best players in baseball, got two nipped on two calls by an umpire, had to groove one at three and one. Derek Osmer had a home run, started a, a downward trend for him. And that in the first start. The second time was in Colorado. Now, Baumgartner did not pitch well against the A's this past time. You know, did but again, Olson, Chapman, Chapman got him for a, a long home run. Had a base hit RBI in that game as well, if I believe right. I know Olson hit a long one that uh, didn't go out of the park, I know. Ended up giving up six runs, but it really they used Matt Olson, which was bad against the left. He actually got pulled out of that game. They used Mark Canna, they used Loriano, they used Olson, they used Chapman. They stacked. That was the stack. Canna worked out, he was dirt cheap. Uh you're smart, you know, fine. No problem. He had been hot coming in. That makes sense. Loreano was an absolute, you know, n- n- not a good play. Not a good play in that one. End up with a couple of hits. Fine. Matt Olson was a terrible play. Did nothing. He had that long fly out. That's all he did. Then Chapman. It's really Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman hit a home run, hit three hits, like four RBI. That that's what did it that's what did it and by the way chapman also um did some of that damage including one of his doubles off of uh off of uh, um Caleb Smith i believe i one of the fucking relief pitchers dynamax. so for the reason that even put him in didn't really even work out oakland scored 9 runs well they scored 6 off bum garner the rest was off the bullpen and some of that was off the bullpen anyway that was charged to bum garner anyway it this is, they don't know the context in baseball. You have to know context. You have to understand that. All right. So um, understand what your opponents are doing in daily fantasy baseball. If you do, if you understand what they're doing and you use their lack of work ethic, you use their automation against them. You're, we're going to have seasons like we did for football forever, it's going to be that degree of winning. You know, we're only supposed to win 60, 65% of the time. That's the goal of being massively profitable, right? And then knowing when to scale up and scale down, that's other tricks that you could use to tweak your ROI, which is very smart, very good. Those are the tricks we use to stay ahead and win money. But if we're going to, if this industry has gone the way I've seen it go, and our competition is doing how I've seen them do, and they refuse to go back to work and refuse to do anything all the way, do all the research, saying this guy, they look at StatCast data, this goes curveball breaks the most. Well, breaks which direction? Because that matters, you dumb fucks. It really matters. I, I was talking about. uh, the Joe Musgrove, one of my better calls you know, a couple of weeks ago, and when he threw the no hitter and in that game, I, I was telling everybody, I'm like, well, down and in a slider, I think it was against the Rangers. Right. And you throw down in, that's a Joey Gallo hot zone. So just because he has got great movement, it grew, it actually, the movement works against him. Cause it goes right into one of the best, most prolific power hitters in baseball's hot zone. That's what you don't want that but they're not willing to cross-reference their work. And in baseball, you have to go all the way. This in all daily fantasy sports, sports betting, seasonal, you have to go all the way. Simply stating he has good movement, the most movement. That doesn't mean anything. How does that match up against the hitters? And then each hitter, then the whole lineup is all. And then you're going to stack against the starter. Okay, what about the bullpen? You know, Why are, are you going to stack against the bullpen too? You need to be, if you're going to do it, we did it the other day and it didn't work out against Casey Mize and the Tigers. But if you're going to attack a starting pitcher and especially in 2021 here, and you're going to think that that's somehow smart. No, these starting pitchers are going four or five innings, four or five innings. That's really bad. It's bad you know before the Dynabacks had given up one home run all the bullpen the entire year before that oakland game they had an xfip going into that game of uh of under 3 so it wasn't a wasn't a great uh was not a great attack worked out sometimes it will but very less than not. All right. So that's, that's daily fantasy baseball. Again, I told you this, I named it potpourri folks. I'm going off on tangents. I'm freelancing this son of a bitch the whole time. I, I want to talk some NFL draft here as well. Um, the, the bow on top of the ba- daily fantasy baseball stuff is simply, we're very confident going forward. It's a lot of work, but we're up for the challenge. I'm calling myself and our team out that we are going to put in the work. We're going all the way on our breakdowns on our research. Like we always do. It's why we're elite. It's why we're elite. It's why we are here. Why the team we have assembled are, are here. No matter what anybody wants to tell you, the team we have here wants to be here. The team that's not here. We didn't want them here. No matter what they try to tell you on social media, ooh, I quit. I, I, we, you can believe whatever the fuck you want. Whatever you want. Everyone give their nuts to work at this company. They're nuts. They would absolutely give anything. Fact of the matter is they couldn't hang. Bottom fucking line. NFL draft. Let's talk about uh, I, I, some of the, uh, the workout numbers. For one, I, I got to address what is San Francisco thinking with uh, Matt jones versus justin fields justin fields had his second pro day today i love the fact that he did the exact same zach wilson thing um on the last podcast i discussed how to evaluate talent and how i judge every position here's something i want you guys to go and look at go look at justin fields pro day you know type it into your google browser and say um uh, yeah justin fields pro day and i want you to look at the pass that he made he did the exact same going to his left throwing back to his right he did the exact same thing right he did the exact same thing that zach wilson did that sent everybody oh my god everybody was so excited about it he uh, when zach wilson did it so fields did the same thing but there's a moment okay the moment there was that was he's going left Zach Wilson when he threw back to his right dropped his arm slot almost sidearm and you know showed impressive arm strength by sort of chucking it from the side while his body is falling to the left or going left dramatically left okay a a lot this is the difference between being a professional scout and be an amateur hour because amateur hour doesn't look at the quarterback doing it; it is look at the result. Oh, ball went far there. Oh, that's I, it's going to be an interception. Justin Fields did the same thing today. I think yeah, this just happened this afternoon. And when he did his running left falling to his left, throwing back over the middle fields used his legs uses, I should say his upper body, It starts at the legs, starts at the hips, and and turns in. You can't see this because it's a podcast, but I'm doing it now. I'm turning to my right. He used to to square up his shoulders and throw the and get the ball through the release with his shoulder square to the target. So many folks are not. I don't think, at least that I've seen on social media, are not seeing how important that is and what a difference it is between him and Zach Wilson. The fact that Fields did that—that's a professional throw. That's some. That's a throw that can be repeated. That's a throw that's going to be on target more often than not. You, uh, she, no, there are no human beings. Nobody in the history of the world, Patrick Mahomes, any Brett Favre. Nobody's going to be able to fall to their left and fire back over the middle in an NFL game, time and time and time and time again, and have that ball be accurate. It's not going to happen. Again, why do starting pitchers in Major League Baseball, why does watching the game matter that I'm talking about? Well, I could tell when a pitcher is uncomfortable, when he won't throw a certain pitch, when he is falling off to a side of the rubber unnaturally, or when he's short-arming the ball, just not following through, when his legs aren't under him, when he's not feeling it, you know, his his kick ain't right. He's not working out well out of the stretch. He's not working well out of the windup. His timing's off. His arm slots down. Whatever. Those are all things that impact performance at, at the professional level with starting pitchers, with jump shooters, outside shooters in the NBA. And absolutely with starting quarterbacks in the NFL. That little difference was everything. I still have my latest mock draft over there at fantasyguru.com. I still have. Fields going third to San Francisco. If I would, and me and Armando Marcel had this, we're going to do a, a full NFL draft preview next episode, okay, uh, of this podcast. I'm going to go way into the uh, NFL draft even more. But me and Armando Marcel were talking about, and I, as much as I think right now the 49ers are likely going to choose Mac Jones, I can't subscribe to it, I can't believe in it. I can't even, even though I, I think that's more likely than not. I refuse to believe somebody would make that big of an error in judgment. I don't believe it's possible that a professional, at this job like John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, I don't believe it can happen. I know it's going to happen, but I don't want to believe it. I still got fields going third. He should go third. He's the third. He's the, he's the second best quarterback in this class. He just is. He's better than Zach Wilson. Um, I've done this study over on Sirius XM, where all the top fantasy players have gone, you know, how many starting players are first round pick. The fact of the matter is it's one thing to evaluate. T- the most important thing an NFL front office can do is evaluate talent that fits their system without having the right head coach, the right offensive coordinator, right defensive coordinator, the right belief system, without having that in place, the rest of you're just throwing. If you don't have all that lined up, or if you're a general manager and you have your coach and your system and your belief tree and all that, and then, you know, two years of losing, you pull the plug and get a new coach. All of a sudden you have a group of players that no longer fit your new system right that's why coaches shouldn't be turned over as much you need to have a runway you need to have a fit of players in system that's when production is going to happen that's when players will absolutely evolve and develop but you give coaches and first second third round picks a year to two years of working together before one of them has to go, it's not going to work out. Just not going to work out. Um, anyway, the uh, other NFL draft news that I, I want to get to, um, we've talked a lot, w- wide receivers. The wide receiver position, there's a lot of talent, but I th- I am not as impressed after going through all the skills. Sc- Scouting all the tape, all the numbers, everything that I've seen. I am not nearly as impressed with this receiver class as I thought I was going to be, or that I was two months ago. Right. It's Jamar Chase is the best receiver in this class, period. Period. I still have Devontae Smith second, and I'm I'm not even sure about that. There's part of me that says, well, Jalen Waddle, a little faster. Bigger, you know, Devonta Smith, 170 pounds. That definitely worries me a little bit. I'm not worried about Devonta Smith being a, um, I'm worried about him staying healthy. Let's put it that way. That's what I'm really concerned about. I'm worried about, can this guy catch the football at the NFL level with being, while being hit by strong, fast safeties and linebackers? That's what I'm worried about. But measuring six foot 170, 31-inch arms only, uh, hand size is good. Hand size is good, but when you got such you got smaller arms, that's a problem. That's a real problem. So I, I that worries me with Devontae Smith, but I still got him second on this. And everybody else, I mean, you guys want to freak out about Jalen Waddle, Elijah Moore. Kadarius Toney, eh. I think Rashad Bateman's probably the most secure next guy up. Now, I've got him fourth. I got Terrence Marshall, Terrence Marshall, ahead of uh, ahead of Bateman at this point. You know, taller, one of the bigger, stronger guys. Good hand size, long arms. You know, I, I liked him. I liked Marshall a great deal. I still like him a great deal. I worry about some of these guys that haven't played though in a while. You know, the, the, I, I do worry about that. But my point is that Chase Smith likely, uh, Chase Smith Waddle for sure. Um, By the way, I'm looking at where I have, I don't even know where the fuck I ranked Waddle. Waddle, oh yeah, I have Waddle sixth. I have him sixth. He's absolutely going to be drafted, of course. In the first round, I mean, so Chase Smith, Waddle, Bateman, Marshall, these are all guys likely to go in the first round, right? Then you talk somebody's gonna somebody's gonna be the team that gets Rondell Moore. I talked about Tavon Austin the other day. Rondell Moore is a is a Tavon Austin clone. Super fast, fidgety. He's, Maybe he could develop into a Tariq Cohen type, but five, nine hundred and seventy. Come on, man. That's just I I mean, it's a gadget player. Now, maybe the gadgets very, very good. Maybe the gadget works out. Maybe the gadget could fit in the system in which he gets, you know, a couple, a dozen plays a game or and he comes in and makes that big play. But he's not that's not a first round talent you don't draft a gadget guy in the first round. That's a mess. And for fantasy purposes, remember this, because what teams are going to take these wide receivers? You know, you're going to, a lot of them are going to be um, drafted by teams that stink, that don't have established quarterbacks. Then what do you do? I mean, are we, it, it, the Jets, uh, for instance, like a team like the Jets who have you know two early picks, the Dolphins have two early picks. Uh, if they use one of them on what receivers, like we think they're going to, who's going to throw them the ball? Are we sure Tua's going to be able to get them get a rookie wide receiver the ball? I can't remember the, when's the last time a rookie receiver had a inexperienced or, you know, rookie or inexperienced quarterback that helped him succeed. I mean, uh, Deshaun Watson for Will Fuller back in 2016, he didn't even do that much. He was okay. I, I honestly can't remember another time. Like, I legitimately cannot remember another time. I I guess uh, Mike Evans was a second year starter in 2015 when Jameis Winston got there. Yeah, in the last 11 years, I can't. There's not one situation. There's not one situation that a young quarterback or inexperienced quarterback made something tremendous of a rookie wide receiver. You're going to try to make the Kirk Cousins connection, and you're wrong. Kirk Cousins is established. Kirk Cousins is notoriously a top 15 quarterback in just about any every every combination of metrics you want outside of rushing yards. So Jefferson coming in and doing well shouldn't is not a big as big of a surprise as fucking Jalen Waddell going to you know, Philadelphia, for instance, and a first year starter and Jalen Hurts. Okay, so. Be aware of that teams have bad years for different a variety of reasons. Teams with higher picks that have established quarterbacks. Um, Atlanta, obviously we'll see what they do with that. That fourth pick Detroit is Jared Gov established guy. Uh, I don't believe in Sam Darnold, Carolina at all. Dak Prescott, Dallas won't choose a receiver. They just got CD lamb last time, but that's one. Um, you know, Minnesota's not going to go receiver. New England has Cam Newton, might go receiver, but they got a lot of other holes to fill. Uh, you know, uh, I don't, Miami, Tua, I mean, there's not a lot of good landing spots for these wide receivers. And quite honestly, as you look at it, the back end, the back half of the first round is a much better landing spot than the first half for these receivers. If Green Bay at 29 could get you something or Baltimore 27, goes wide receiver. Um, Tennessee needs another receiver after losing to Corey Davis with Ryan Tannehill there at 22, maybe. I mean, shit, there's not not a lot. Las Vegas took three receivers in last year's draft and three wide receivers by the Raiders last year in the first four rounds, and none of them worked out. Their best receiver was a one-year minimum price guy, Nelson Aguilar, that they brought in. How shitty do you have to be in draft picks than Las Vegas Raiders to Mike Mayock? That's all time right there. But again, Kansas City lost Sammy Watkins. Maybe they're. I mean, if you bring here anybody, it's not going to matter who that person is. If you bring in... Uh, Elijah Moore, who I'm not, I kind of like Elijah Moore actually. Nico Collins, Michigan, big body, one of few big body receivers in this class. Didn't do jack shit at Michigan, mostly because their offense stunk. Their quarterback play was awful. But you get a Nico Collins, he goes to Kansas City. That's phenomenal. It's going to be a great fit. Or Green Bay, or even Baltimore, where they're in need of a big body guy. Yes, they have Sammy Watkins, he'll play four games. And missed 12 as usual. So be careful with drafting wide receivers, rookie wide receivers. Be very careful in trying to get the next Justin Jefferson for your fantasy team. I was going to say Claypool, uh, you know, Ayuk, Higgins, Judy Lamb, Claypool. They, they were all good. They're all positives. They're all. They were all proven to be quality picks. But don't forget Henry Ruggs or Jalen Rieger or Michael Pittman had injuries. LaVisca Chenault, who I'm still bullish on long-term. I like him with uh, Trevor Lawrence, by the way. But KJ Hamler, Denzel Mims, these guys did jack shit. You remember that? The previous year, Marquise Hollywood Brown, Nikhil Harry, Debo Samuel, Michael Hardman, J.J. Arthega, Whiteside, Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella—all dog shit. Meanwhile, two guys from where from Memphis, two teammates, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf—the only ones that worked out the previous year, year before that. Remember Dante Pettis and Anthony Miller, and I like Anthony Miller, but just ruined on the Bears. James Washington, who we thought had a combination with Mason Rudolph, that's never happened. Meanwhile, Calvin Ridley, Corton Sutton, all worked out. DJ Chark. 29th pick of the second round probably been one of the best wide receivers in that entire class the year before that first round pick ninth overall pick john ross just remember john ross was a ninth overall pick Corey coleman 15th overall pick josh doxson laquan treadwell don't give minnesota credit by the way they've had some dog shit wide receivers that they've taken i mean The the Minnesota Vikings track record of drafting receivers is atrocious. They keep trying to get the next Randy Moss. They did it for a decade and a half, right? Every year they're trying to draft an early round. Troy Williamson, Cordero Patterson, Laquan Treadwell. Terrible, 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 terrible. Finally, Justin Jefferson hits. So kudos, they finally got one, but... Not that impressed. Sorry. Just not that impressed. Um, So there you go. And then then I want to talk about Kyle Pitts here, too. Kyle Pitts. Where is he going to go? Is somebody going to make that trade? I'm curious on what Atlanta does it for, because Atlanta holds all the cards, especially if Mac Jones goes third. There has to you have to be. Going out of your mind, if you're New England or hell, even Las Vegas, I mean, you really have to Washington to try to get up to that four pick to get Justin Fields, even Trey Lance would be worth it. But then we have another contingent here with uh, Kyle Pitts and who's going to draft him. He's one of, if not the second most sought after player in this entire draft class behind Trevor Lawrence. Kyle Pitts, my here's my evaluation on Pitts I've not given this anywhere else besides here and uh, I, I will leave you with this today. Um, big fan of Kyle Pitts big fan. He is the physically imposing guy that you want at the tight end position. Uh, I mean, everything physically is amazing here's the the i love the former quarterback angle i love the fact that he knows the field i i love look, digging through the history of these players anybody who played quarterback in high school and then yeah, they changed to corner or safety or receiver like those are players that understand what the quarterback's thinking what the quarterback needs when you understand what your quarterback is thinking and what he needs you're going to be a better route runner you're going to be a you're going to be better blocker. You're going to be just better, a better player. Um, so that is a great thing for Kyle Pitts. He is rough, though, at tight end. And I think there's there's a real divide here between how good he can be, which is all-world tight end. I have no question about that. He can be that. I do have a very big question how good he's going to be out of the gate and in what systems as well. I don't think he's not a guy you can just put in there and run on an every down basis at the tight end position. He can't block that as well, right? He is a move tight end. He's a guy you put on the line then you get motion and break him off and go into the slot. I'm very interested in the idea of not even make it Kyle Pitts at tight end. Maybe just make him a receiver. He's fast enough. 444 four, four was his 40 yard dash. That's bullshit. He's fast, but he's I think that time probably is about 451, which is lightning. And again, it doesn't matter. It's just be careful when you think like this guy is going to from the tight end position, he's going to outrun everybody. He could beat those safety or those linebackers, no problem. He he's a mismatch, and he's a nightmare of a mismatch as a wide as a tight end. But at six six, at two forty, he's also Calvin Johnson right, on the outside. Nobody, there's not a corner in the league. Patrick Peterson can't contend with him. Nobody can contend with him at that size and that speed, right? I'm curious whether or not he actually becomes a full time tight end, and to me, that lowers his stock a little bit. Now, every team, any team that drafts him, is going to have to know what they want him to be. What are they? Do you want him at the line of scrimmage? My belief, and what I most likely would do, um. Uh, I would, I want him as a receiver. I don't want the wear and tear tight end. Tight end position is too hard to learn. It's very hard to learn. You have to know all the blocking patterns. You have to know all the routes. You have to know them both. It's very difficult for a rookie. Now, Pitts is a smart guy, high IQ guy, can can do it. Will be able to make that adjustment. But you're going to eat up a lot of his rookie year. And when you eat up early seasons like that, you're, that's his most athletic season. You don't run 4-4 in perpetuity, by the way, right? I, I like it, an offense that would be able to create mismatches for him, move him around. If you play him a tight end, play him on line, but use that motion, flip him from one side to the other, use him in, in tight situations, you know, use them in jumbo packages, right? Like in bunches for a power running team would be very intriguing. Cause he, at that point he can get up the field, when they stack the box he's so fast he can get up the field it doesn't there's nobody else behind him right and it doesn't expose your quarterback for that long cuz it doesn't take him he doesn't have to run a deep route or a long route he just has to get behind that linebacker or that safety or both and go to make a big play so i want to cre- i i would use him in a variety of ways a lot of cre- i'd create and I, he would be a receiver for me he would be a receiver. I don't want him on the line of scrimmage. I don't want him with defensive ends and, and moving your tackle outside to put a body. I, I don't want people fucking with him and chopping him. The zone. Don't forget zone blocking uh, uh, schemes and you, the entire offense. If he goes to a zone offensive line or offense where you're cutting sideways, man, you're going to at six, six and moving off the line of scrimmage, not ideal for a guy that big, that strong. And if you take away, you get him a knee injury because you have him on the line of scrimmage. I think you've, especially if you were gonna pay a top 10 pick from where he definitely is gonna go. It's a bad idea, right? I mean, this guy's 10, his hands are 10, (laughs) six. I mean, shit. You get yeah, you know, nine inch hands, you're in you're in pretty good shape. NFL average, nine and a quarter, pretty solid. Get nine and a half, you're you're really looking good. Fucking 10-6 is just you're you're an Adonis. And that that's what Kyle Pitts is. There's no question about it. So I don't have an issue with taking him in that spot, but you gotta know what you're getting and you gotta be able to utilize this guy in, in in many different ways playing him on the line and get him beat up, beat up and beat up and beat up. That would be a huge disservice to me. I, I wouldn't be able to understand why somebody would do that. I'm interested again, a team may jump into that four slot to get pits. There are teams that love him that much best fits for him Boy, a lot of people want to say the Giants. Um, They have Evan Ingram. And it's not that Pitts can't be better than Evan Ingram. He absolutely can be. But uh, Daniel Jones, uh, I don't – Kenny Galladay, it's not bad. Dallas, it would make that offense unstoppable at 10. He'll never last to 10. Carolina, uh, it's okay. That would be a fine spot. Detroit's not taking him. Miami may take him at six. In my, I I have the Dolphins taking him at in that sixth spot on my mock draft over at FantasyGuru.com. I do think that that would be, if Kyle Pitts does go to Miami, which I have happening, it's not the best landing spot for Pitts, but it's the best possible pick for Tua. That's where Tua is going to be the guy who utilizes the tight end a lot. We saw it in year one with Gasecki quite a bit. He likes to throw that middle of the field. He, Tua gets under pressure, gets the pitter patter a little feet, and got to get rid of the ball. He's not gonna be able to launch the ball like he did at Alabama. That's not Tua's game. That's not the Miami offense. So Pitts would be an absolute golden choice for the Dolphins for their quarterback into Itangle Boa. So that's what I think is going to happen. That's the most likely landing spot. Would Cincinnati possibly make that choice? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's very possible. I think that the Bengals do give Joe Burrow another weapon. I would like them to get Sewell. I think that would be the best choice for the Bengals, but I have them taking Jamar Chase at five overall. Remember what Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow was, were able to do at LSU. There's a special bond there uh, as well. I believe they kowtow to their second-year quarterback come back from an injury, and they end up going with Jamar Chase, and then that would leave Pitts down to Miami. Now again, Atlanta spot is open. Atlanta would be foolish not to trade at this point, whether it's Pitts, Lance, Fields, Matt Jones, some, but there's you're going to get three number ones. You're going to get three number ones for that pick. And for Atlanta, it would just make a lot of sense. Atlanta, there's nothing wrong with the Atlanta offense. Atlanta has so many problems defensively. So drafting Pitts or one of those quarterbacks doesn't really make any sense. The best choice for them would be a Micah Parsons, really a Patrick Sertain. They they need, because of how good the offense is in Atlanta, they need somebody. They need defensive help. Patrick Sertain would be the absolute best choice. Micah Parsons as well from Penn state, I think would be a good, good sideline to sideline inside backer would be very beneficial. They need defense. So why not move down, grab two more first rounders over this year or next year, maybe a second rounder here you know, as well, maybe two first and a second, whatever it is, just make the move and let somebody else move up for them. So that's the way I would go there. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's that you know the last nugget on Kyle Pitts is he is a willing blocker he's not a good blocker i hear a lot i've read all over good blocker good blocker no no he tries he's not very good at it he's not very good at it and again i wouldn't have him doing that but the the mismatch for any linebacker is very very intriguing I contend that on the outside as a receiver, he would be equally, if not even uh, similarly, a matchup nightmare for any corner and safety, any bracket coverage in the league. So there you go. All right, folks, uh, a little bit of everything, a lot. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully you guys liked it. I just uh, rambled for a, a little over an hour here. Got you some NFL draft thoughts, some DFS talk in here as well. Um, work ethic and stuff we, we hit on. So there you go. I'm going to title this one Potpourri. A little of everything. Hopefully, it smelled nice, fresh, and beautiful for each and every one of you. Remember, elitefantasy.com daily fantasy baseball breakdowns every single day, GPP breakdowns, coaching sessions, live people like myself, Ted Schuster, Ray Flowers, Kyle Elfring, Ricky Sanders. CJ called back the siege Scotty B Scott Bonder and Phil Backert and our entire group over the Brian Healy. We are coaching you every day, helping you build a better lineup, writing articles, the GPP breakdown, cheat sheets, coaching sessions, live streams, podcasts. It's all over there. Elite fantasyguru.com uh, fantasyguru.com. If you want to check out my NFL drafts, all the studies that we've been doing, I will tell you this. That last six years, the general manager stuff, nobody has ever in the history of NFL draft analysis done this. It's never happened. The only place you will ever find is FancyGuru.com. Trust me, because I would have bought this son of a bitch instead of spending the last four months of my life putting it all together. Same with where were they drafted. Nobody does this kind of in-depth information and studies and research projects for you, but our team over at fantasyguru.com follow me on social media at jeff underscore man's the jeff mans on facebook instagram snapchat and tiktok that'll do it for episode 61 everybody thank you so much for staying with me if you made it to the end i appreciate you very very much let me know what you thought of this episode at jeff underscore man's we may have disagreed and chances are we absolutely disagreed at some point during this program, maybe the whole way through, and it's perfectly all right, everybody. Why? You know why. Because it was one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces!